0: Welcome in Saturday episode of the Back and Forth Podcast. I'm your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. Fresh off of a unique Friday episode where we broke down everything Marcus Arroyo uh, related as far as the firing is concerned and all things around the UNLV football program. We transition now. We're going to have a little bit of college football, but it's more national college football today. And then, of course, we will have our week 13 picks for you in the NFL, as we traditionally do on a Saturday episode. Quick reminder, make sure you do follow the Back and Forth podcast on Twitter, at BackforthPod, Instagram is at Podcast. And, of course, while you're on both of those sites, make sure you do follow the home of Back and Forth, that being the Talk That Talk Media Company, on Twitter, at TTT Media Company. The rest of their social media platforms are spelled out at Talk That Talk Media Company. Let's dive right into some college football. We got a little bit of college football last night, and it was significant because it's going
1: to affect the playoff picture. USC uh, <laughs> James. James drops or whatever his username is. That's the go right there. I, was, I,
0: never, I never knew what that kid's name was. Like it's, it's some
1: like James Drobs. James James his name is James I forget what his username is but his name his name is James so, Jam- James uh yeah well if 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 Eric Harper was the USC athletic director Lincoln Riley would have been canned this morning yeah um, <laughs> keep in mind I mean USC was only like four and eight last year so yeah you know. they, they they definitely had a better year um, but probably I would imagine still disappointing yeah uh, you pretty much go undefeated this season with the exception of playing the utah utes you lose earlier in the year um off a two-point conversion 42 to 43 and then you get as matt likes to say you get absolutely boat raced at a legion stadium last night uh 47 to 24 in the pac 12 championship um and yeah it's, it's, it's as simple as a win and, and you're you're going to the playoff and you're one and um you lose and you're done so obviously a, a 23 point loss is probably not what they wanted going into that game and um they probably won't even be going to the Rose Bowl anymore. I'd imagine that's being going to Utah now, the team that won the Pac-12. Uh, you look at their records are near identical, ten and three and ten and two. I would imagine that I think Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl bid is going to be going to the Utah Utes. Uh, so I don't know where that leaves USC, um, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. No, the, no, no. There'll be a New Year's Six
0: bowl. I'm okay. seeing If there's any New Year's Six that have at large bids, because that would be something USC
1: could qualify for. Yeah. Um. So I'm not sure, yeah, I'm not sure exactly where they're going to end up now. Um. But, I mean, yeah, it, this was Caleb Williams' what, freshman year? Sophomore year. Sophomore year? Yep. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to be a junior Um, going into next season. Uh, he'll be ready, obviously be preparing to declare for the NFL draft, I would imagine. Uh, he's going to do his three years and, and go pro, so um, this will be a much more uh, experienced and, and I think more prepared USC team going into next season. We'll see how that schedule looks, obviously, going into next year. But um, I think next year is when you can really start having, I guess, the the playoff expectations uh, for this uh, Trojan football team. And if not next year, definitely by 2024. Because if it's not by 2024, there's a problem. And I'm going to say that because it's a 12-team playoff by then. Um, with having Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley at the helm and as your head coach, uh, you should be easily slipping into the top 12 by 2024 um, with the amount of resources and, and, and obviously talent that uh, USC roster will have uh, just through recruiting and, and, and current players they have now. So USC's out. That leaves one open spot. Ohio State will probably take that spot, um, which I think a majority of college football fans are disappointed because it seems like it's, uh, it's, it's a thing now that everyone hates Ohio State, and I think I've gotten on that train now that um, Justin Fields is no longer there. So Ohio State is going to get that fourth spot, um, which I like in In terms of a matchup with Georgia. USC and Georgia would have been ugly. Like, let's be honest. USC versus Georgia in the, the first game would have been ugly. Um, it would have been very similar to that. 49-3 uh, um, ass whooping that the Bulldogs did on another Pac-12 school by which was the uh, the Oregon Ducks at week one of the season. I think we would have saw something similar to that, honestly. Um, so I think with Ohio State, you get a much better game, and it also puts it on the table for, I don't think Ohio State wins, but it's on the table now that you get a Ohio State-Michigan rematch in the national championship. It is quite possible that does happen. Um, that's if, I think, TCU, or you could, you could get it in the, um, you could quite possibly get it in the, First round in the first semifinal game, if TCU drops it today and the committee's feeling really generous and Alabama slips on in, um, that is still a possibility. I don't agree with that. I think the way it is now is set, and all you have to figure out is who's going to be ranked where. You know, it's, even if Georgia loses to LSU, Georgia, I think, is still in the playoff. So you have your four teams now, and that those four teams are Ohio State, TCU. Um, Michigan and Georgia, so I think it all comes down to seeding now, Uh, even if TCU drops it, even if Michigan drops it, even if uh, Georgia drops it, um, I think all three of those teams have earned it, and all three of those teams are right now currently better than Alabama. Um, Alabama, granted, has a lot of talented players and and Bryce Young and so on, but you you control your own destiny at the end of the day. If you're a team like Alabama, you absolutely control your own destiny, and they lost... Key games in Tennessee and LSU. You win one of those games, you can make an argument for them to get in. But they lost both of those games. So um, I don't think, in my personal opinion, you can put Alabama in. I know the committee has other plans. Um, it has probably different uh, a different opinion on that. Because uh, at the end of the day, regardless of what they say, they're going to say, oh, it comes down to records. It comes down to quality of wins. It's all bullshit. It comes down to TV ratings and um, – all that other stuff. The committee would much rather have a Alabama versus Georgia semifinal game than a TCU or a Ohio State versus uh, Georgia game. Well, let's just say if TCU drops it, they would much rather have Alabama versus Georgia in the semifinal than TCU versus Georgia. And that's just the truth. Um, No one can really convince me anything other uh, besides that. So, um, and we've seen it time and time again that even in the NCAA tournament for college basketball, we've seen a lot of teams from Power 5 conferences that probably should not have gotten in get in over a mid major school that had a really good season um like we can go back to the 2021 covid year a like 19 and 3 Colorado State missed it and they put in a like 13 and 10 Oklahoma. I, I can't remember what the school was but they put in like a 13 and 10 12 and 11 Power 5 school and a 19 and 3 18 and 4 CSU team did not make it so Again, it comes down to popular. It's a popularity contest and who's going to get them? Who's going to make him the most money? Who's going to bring the most ratings and all that uh, nonsense? So, um, yeah, I, I I like the current four we have now. I think that's a good four. And uh, un- unless TCU loses by like 50 points today, then I guess you can play in Alabama, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to roll with Georgia, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, and TCU. Not in that order, but those are my four.
0: Yeah, so I think there's two. I think you're right. There's in my mind, there's two different sets of four. There's a set of four that we would have if TCU wins, and then there's a set of four that we're probably going to get is if TCU loses. the The first one is, I do think Georgia's in regardless, and I think Michigan's in regardless. They could both lose their conference champion or conference championship. It doesn't matter. I do think if TCU loses, that puts them out. Now, Ohio State, with USC losing last night, they are, in my opinion, in. So, really, we have three teams that I'm pretty confident are going to be in the championship or the uh, semifinal, you know, the four-team playoff, however you want to phrase it. There's three of those four that I feel pretty good about in Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State. is going to be probably the holder of that last spot, whether they win or they lose. I think if TCU wins, obviously they're going to stay in. But this is where the second four comes in because this is the second four is the is if the committee could draw up an ideal final four for the college football playoff. These are the four teams they would probably come up with. And if they can put it in this particular order, they would they would much rather prefer that if they can. Number 1 is Georgia, number 2 is Michigan, number 3 is Ohio State and number four is Georgia, or is uh, Alabama. That sets up Georgia and Alabama in one semifinal, and then you get a rematch of Michigan-Ohio State in the second semifinal. We talked about what the committee really values. That would be the ratings. If they want to talk about ratings and getting people to watch, that second Final Four, most people would watch. Now, the first Final Four, a lot of people would watch, but... If TCU is sitting at three, I think Michigan's a much better team than TCU. That's just my opinion. I think Michigan, they could go toe-to-toe with Georgia. You know, them being two feels about right for Michigan. I do think that if Ohio State gets in, maybe they make it interesting for the first quarter against Georgia, but not much past
1: that. I I don't think it's going to be this this blob that everyone's – Thinking is gonna happen. I think Georgia wins, but I'm I'm. I think it's a, I think it'll be a fairly competitive game. It
0: could be. Well, Ohio State's weird. Like they, it very well could be because I thought Ohio State would take care of business against Michigan. It, the revenge factor, all that. They looked vastly disappointing, but to Ohio State's credit, they've had those games the other side where. People don't expect much out of Ohio State in a certain game, and then they come out and they play the game of their life. It could very well happen against Georgia.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's like a twenty-seven thirty-seven game. I don't think it's as. I don't think it's gonna be that ugly. I think Georgia is the best um, team right now. But even Georgia's had their their ups and downs this year. Like they almost lost the game to, to Missouri at the beginning of the year. Yeah, or to Mizzou, I should say. Um, like they were one possession. They were a touchdown drive away from losing that football game to Mizzou.
0: Yeah, and so I think, like, from a ratings perspective, obviously the committee would want Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Bama, because all four are traditional football powerhouses. A lot You, you can attract, you know, all sorts of different crowds. You can attract the, the, you know, older crowd, if you will, for college football that remember, you know, some of the, the glory days, if you will, when – you know, you got Michigan really good back in the heyday, and all the, all that. And then you have the newer school crowd that would probably be, be pretty attracted to like the Ohio States or maybe the Alabamas because of the NIL deals and all that. Um, I think you would, if the committee had their their pick, and TCU ends up losing, that's going to be the final four: is Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and uh, Alabama. And that, and, and then they're gonna be like, well, that's our four best teams. Like, I don't know what you, but all the me, and this is where I mean, I'm happy that we're do, we're going to a 12 team playoff in a couple of years, because, I mean, now you have teams like a Utah that is a conference champion that their best bid's gonna be a Rose Bowl bid, like they put all that work in. They beat USC twice, a team that has you know pretty much held residency in the top 10 for most of the year. And they get rewarded with a Rose Bowl bid. In comparison to where they could be under a 12-team format, they would be in the playoff. And and people will say, well, you're going to get some of those teams that are just not that great in the 12-team play, the playoff. They'll be in that 10 to 12 seed. Okay. You get 15 and 16 seeds in the NCAA tournament. Most of them get blown out. So, I mean... I don't know what you want me to say. Like, we're going to have that regardless. Like, if a one is playing a low seed, it's going to happen. Like, more times than not, it will happen. Sometimes you'll get a little bit of a fight from that lower seed, but not much. I mean, it happens in the NBA. The one plays the eight seed and more times than not wins the series in four or five games because it's just not that close. Right. So, ultimately, I'm happy that they're going to a 12-team playoff. I think it's needed. Um, I think you can get more representation in the 12-team playoff. You know, it can give maybe a decent Mountain West school a chance or maybe a decent group of five school in general a chance. If they have a really good season and they win their conference, maybe you can finally reward them and not have to have the situation like we had last year where the committee on the last day is sitting there, you know, kind of contemplating, well, do we want to put Cincinnati in? We've never done this before. The debate kind of ends when you have a 12-team playoff like that.
1: Yeah, I think with all the rely, uh, conference realignment, all that um, that it's going to be a little unless the Mountain West steps up, it's going to be a little tougher to put in group of five schools. Even still, with the twelve team format, because you have to remember the teams that were on the bubble were schools like Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and so on. And where are all those schools going next year?
0: The they're all going to be in well, a lot of them are going to be in the SEC.
1: What do you mean, no, those that the schools at BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, oh, they're all going to the Pac twelve or Big, Big Twelve. 12. Um, San Diego then. State could be going to the Pac twelve. So a lot of these schools that probably are on the bubble, or that have been on the bubble, uh, that have been members of the American or Mountain West or another conference, are right now well on their way to a to a power five school, and that kind of you, if you're if you're the Mountain West right now, the, the, the American probably went from. Being toe to toe with the Pac-12, honestly, to those four schools now leaving to being on the same level as Conference USA, yeah. In a in a in a in a in a flick of a season, flick of a year, you had Memphis, US. You had all these really good schools. You could make an argument that the American was honestly better or on the same wavelength as the Pac-12. That is now not even a debate anymore because those four or five schools are gone. So. If you're in the Mountain West, that's how quickly it can change for you. Um, San Diego State, Boise State, even UNLV, even Colorado State are all teams that have what they need, or excuse me, are all schools that have what they need to go to a different conference. So again, as these conferences continue to expand, and it's mainly Power 5 schools picking and taking other Power 5 schools or Power 5 schools taking, you know, higher mid-major schools, it's going to be tougher to get that mid-major, I guess, representation as you see in the NCAA tournament in the college football playoff because going into next year, I mean, I don't think Boise State or, or San Diego State will be a top 12 team next year. Right. Or Utah State. And I, I think the best chance for at least a college football playoff, the best chance a mid-major team has to get in is probably going to come from Mount West School. And I don't think any Mount West School is going to be a top 12 team next year. We can hope.
0: I mean, I don't know. It Depends. I guess if if Eric Harper gets his magic hire that everybody is under the impression of that could be the next Lincoln Riley. Well, well, Jeff,
1: Jeffrey Waterlove seems like he has it all figured oh my out. And by the goodness. way, he's the one that said, "Oh Dion was not going to Colorado." That was a freezing cold take. And whoops,
0: Deion Sanders is about to accept the Colorado job. About to job. accept the Colorado job, which. Yeah.
1: We'll talk about that real quick
0: before I guess we move on. Talk about striking gold in the in the coaching realm for Colorado. This is the best hire they could have found. Yeah, like I, I said it on the show yesterday. I'm a huge Dion fan. I didn't think he was coming to UNLV though. Like no. everybody that I talked to, had said it's a fantasy dream for UNLV. It's it's pro- it's not going to happen. Like.
1: I I didn't even think he'd go to Colorado. I thought he would take I honestly I, I said it yesterday. I thought he was gonna take the USF job over Colorado.
0: USF would have made sense for recruiting. Now I do think that's where Dion may struggle a little bit with Colorado, is because they're they're a Pac-12 school, but in terms of location, they're kind of in a weird portion of the country where there's not great talent. Like you're a little too far from Texas. Um I mean, Utah's, eh, like, a lot of those neighboring states around Colorado just don't have that great a talent. And I do think that's what kind of made him pretty successful with Jackson State is the fact that he was located in the southeastern portion of the country. You can pull from a lot of different areas. You can pull from a Florida. You can pull from a Louisiana. You can pull from even some portions of Texas if you wanted to. And you have the sell of an HBCU, which is starting to become a lot more attractive to a lot more of these players. In Colorado, I mean, you're going to have to really get creative, I think, on the recruiting side of things if you're Deion Sanders, which I don't doubt he can because he's, at the end of the day, he's Deion Sanders. He's, I mean, DeMarco Murray got people to come to Norman, Oklahoma, okay? Like, I think it's it's possible. that in that, that,
1: that area where the campus is, you know, that area in Colorado is honestly beautiful. Boulder, Colorado, Fort Collins, mm-hmm. that Denver area... Um, even, you know, with Jay Norval currently being at Colorado State, like, it's not going to be hard for either of those guys, I think, to recruit to that region because now both those schools have the facilities and it's, again, if you've been in that area, you know, it, it is very pretty. So it's not a, not a hard – should not be a hard region to recruit to compared to, like, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and then uh, Nick Saban's still able to get five stars down in that fucking armpit. So – well, they—I mean, Alabama. There, yeah, I wanting, know. But you get—you get what I'm saying. I mean, like, no, aside from that, no like, one's really wanting to go to vacation. If Alabama football wasn't there, no one's going to go vacation in uh, Alabama, right? They may want to go vacation at the University of
0: Alabama. That's so I'm saying. I'm saying if that's like a paradise.
1: <laughs> if the if Alabama football wasn't what it was today, right? University of Alabama would probably be in Conference USA, yeah. and no one would want to go to that that part of Alabama. Yeah. And you look at countless other. Um, big football schools and and strange areas. You could say the same thing.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like, I I think like most people in out in Tuscaloosa probably just live at the university. Like <laughs> with how many upgrades they've made and yeah, I don't know. But I do think this is a a good hire for they all live in their
1: trailer homes outside the stadium. That's oh,
0: I means. wasn't gonna go there, but okay, you can. <laughs> um, I do think this is a good hire for Colorado, um, particularly because Colorado hasn't really been that competitive in the Pac-12 over the past couple of years. They needed something to give them some legitimacy in the conference. And it does help that UCLA and USC are leaving the conference. So in that aspect, your conference does get a little bit easier. I think it becomes a little bit easier from that sense for Colorado to be more competitive right away and we saw just how quick the turnaround was for De- when Deion Sanders got to Jackson State. He had that program basically as a well-oiled, well-oiled machine in three years or less, which we talked about it yesterday. That kind of feels like where a lot of schools in college football are going to when they fire head coaches. They're looking for the three years or less turnaround because they've just gotten so spoiled over the past handful of years, like the Lincoln-Riley experience for USC. Like, that would be the prime example of like what athletic directors I think are expecting their next head or their next head coach hire to be, be. But in reality, that's an outlier. Like Lincoln Riley, to his credit, was able to go into Oklahoma and I think have a, an eleven and one season right out of the gate out in year one. At USC, if he didn't lose the Pac twelve championship game last night, he'd be in a playoff spot right now in year one. So. Those instances where guys are able to come in year one and change the program right away, I think are still more outliers. And I'm still not completely bought in on the fact that a coach can come into a football program and have it completely turned around in three years, max. It just, I don't think it, I understand you have the transfer portal and it's become more utilized over the last handful of years. But at the end of the day, you still have to have recruiting You still have to be able to recruit well within that transfer portal. And you still have to get, you know, have your guys buy into a system. And that just takes time. Like, you know, typically your first year is not going to be great. If you're lucky, you may get to 500 in that second year. And then the third year isn't, I mean, it'll it'll be better than your second year. But to be considered completely turned around probably takes a good four years.
1: Yeah, I think that Deion hires is a home run for Colorado. He's someone who I think can recruit really well. He was able to recruit um, great to Jackson State. Uh, I think he'll continue those habits up at, at Colorado. And um, I'm not sure we're talking Pac-12 champions anytime soon. Um, I think that's going to be really hard to do with, with USC and Utah and all those schools still around. Um, but he can definitely, I think, nothing less bring a lot of relevancy uh, to a program that's been kind of—I uh, think—in um, three years
0: we could talk about it, though, for Colorado. Maybe, maybe, because that'll be enough time to where Dion will have had some time to turn the program around. In three, in, if we are talking about the Pac-12 championship three years from now,
1: you UCLA and USC will both be out. That's if the governor, of California. There, there's a lot of people trying to to void. So that's if that happens. That mm. may not happen still. So I'm going to go off. It doesn't happen. If it does happen, yes, absolutely. I think they can they can go toe-to-toe with Oregon and Oregon State and whoever the hell the Mount, uh, they pick from the Mount West or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know if they can go toe-to-toe with, with at least – I think they could go toe-to-toe with UCLA, but USC at the moment, that's going to be tough. And even you, if Utah's still there, like with USC and Utah still there, I think it's going to be tough for them to get into the top two. Um, but nothing less, he can bring a lot of relevancy to a program that's been kind of um, really needing a lot, some relevancy. Uh, you go 1-11 and 11 last year. I mean, th- they're pretty much on the same wavelength as you and UNLV. They've just been bad for uh, a very long time. So um, Deion Sanders is definitely going to bring – even if year one, I don't think he will, but if, if year one's a building year for them and they go 4-8 and – a lot of those games will be nationally televised because of Deion Sanders. Um, a lot of those games will be picking up a lot of attention because Deion Sanders, and I think that's kind of what uh, that program really needs. So I like the hiring for Colorado. I'm surprised he went to Colorado. I really thought he was going to take the USF job, and I'm surprised that USF and Colorado were the only schools that came and came knock into his door. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people um, are uh, are missing out. Uh, I think Nebraska absolutely should have gave Deion Sanders a call and multiple other uh, Power five schools, I think should have gave uh, Deion Sanders a phone call. Um, but I think Colorado uh, got a real, I, I, I guess, con- considering who was in the race room, I guess they got a like a, a, a real steal because, I mean, it seems like that no one wanted Deion Sanders for whatever reason, which I think is very foolish.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I did see uh, your friend Jeffrey um, suggest somebody on Twitter last night. and
1: Oh, yeah. he Was it? Yeah, he flipped me off. Well, he flipped you off, and then he suggested a name that. Um, oh, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Sumlin. Yeah. Mm. Well, ag- ag- and again, this is this is the problem. Small rant. This is the problem I have with him, and uh, Joe Gario is that if you go on the UNLV football thread, everyone is starting the Kevin Sumlin shit, and it's not even real. Yeah, it started from him. It's a, it's a, it's a fabrication. Literally, that he, it's he made up. He has no con- He has no idea what he's talking about. I don't know how he continue to has a following. Um, if he wants to be a, a speculation page, go for it. But my issue with him more or less than I haven't really had an issue with Joe lately. But my issue with him is that every every off season and every coaching cycle that UNLV goes through, he throws out these names that he's just pulling out of his ass. I say, who are those, these sources? He doesn't have any that he's. He's referring to. He's gotten a few things right, and then which are accidental. Yeah. Oops. Like Dave Rice starts off shit in his last year. Dave Rice is gonna get fired. Oh, I think a lot of I think my probably, niece at the time, who was four years old, probably could have said. Yeah, he's probably he's probably fired. to get. Yeah, Uncle Jojo, I think he's gonna be done soon. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there, I mean, so there, there's a few things in there that uh, that. He's gotten right, but for the most part, it's, it's starting up a lot of shit for attention. And that's exactly what he's doing because if you look at um, his likes and comments and, you, and, again, you look on the UNLV uh, football thread, it's all everyone's talking about Kevin Solman now. And that's, that is not it, – it, it could happen. I will, I will not say never, but I have not heard anything from anyone reliable that it's going to be Kevin Solman. No. And I've not even heard that name up until Jeffrey Wadalov. Yeah, that was not even a name. No, there was there was um, Gary Patterson. There was DeMarco Murray. There was Mm -hmm. uh, Derek Mason. There was uh, Troy Taylor. There was never once Kevin Sullivan. If he ends if he ends up being the coach, then shit, I will get me and I will come up here and be like, uh, okay, maybe I guess he does know someone. But I can probably guarantee you it's not going to be Kevin Sullivan,
0: especially like we said yesterday to Eric Harper's credit. He hasn't told anybody who's on this list. A lot of it is speculation. Some people may know a name or two here and there if it's come up in conversation, but much like, you know, or I guess unlike DRF, Eric Harper's keeping this coaching search very under wraps. He's not really letting a lot out. With DRF, I mean, I mean, we felt like we were in the meeting at one point with how much information <laughs> was being let out about coaching searches and all that. All we, I mean, all we know is Eric Harper does have a list. It's probably got a handful of names on it you would expect that they probably meet his criteria. And that's about all I could really say. And then the rest is just guesses and hunches here and there. That's about it. Yeah. Like,
1: and, and, and again, Kevin Solman isn't an, an, an ideal candidate. And it starts up, it kicks up a rise. And that's exactly what accounts like that want. And that's that's my problem. Because he knows that he hasn't had a whole lot of success lately. He was 9-20 and 20 at U of A. He, uh, Kevin Solman has had some drinking issues as well in his past. And saying that is going to get a lot of UNLV fans rattled up. And that means more likes, more engagement, and it starts a whole thing on the – and that's exactly what he accomplished by doing that. So that's why he pulled that name out of his ass. There's no other reason. I don't honestly know why people continue to to go for him for information because it's nothing more for attention. Yeah. So – Good for him. He's Twitter famous. Which – Cool. In my eyes – not to sound like a dick is is pathetic. If you're a grown man and you're you're sitting there, starting up fucking bullshit all the time on Twitter, yeah. Especially stuff is like as minor. And I'm not saying it in a in a rude way, but as minor as UNLV, like UNLV isn't like this isn't like the NBA um, yeah. pre-agency. This isn't uh, we're not he's not starting up bullshit with the Dodgers. He's not starting up fake rumors with the Cowboys. Like you know, big. Big programs, big teams that have a that have a, a huge following. He's doing it with UNLV, and he does it constantly every offseason. And to me, that's a little that's a little pathetic. Yeah, finds almost better to do. Buddy, I think it's time for Jeffrey to get a job. I think I think one more tiring. You, they, you I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, There you go. There you go. You can go get a job. <laughs> good for good for Jeffrey. Word of the job. day
1: is job. J O B.
0: Job. job. <laughs> that's that's two episodes in a row we've gotten that mean. Oh there. yeah, that's great. We're gonna keep going. I'm happy for it. Yeah, we're gonna keep going. Uh well some of these teams that we may be picking for the NFL some of their personnel may be looking for a job at the end of the season we'll, yes. we'll have to wait and see how that plays out but none, nonetheless it is time for our week. Are we doing are we doing all the games or are we going to do are we going to do big games this week We can run through all the games if you okay. want Um week 13 is here Joey do you have the list of games I think I only have the my picks in front of me I don't have who they're
1: playing uh, yes, first game, 10 a.m., Steelers and Falcons. Ooh. Falcons 5-7, and seven, Steelers 4-7. and seven. I'm going to go with the Steelers here on the road. I'll take a Mike Tomlin coach team over this, this Falcons team.
0: I like it. I'm going to take the Steelers as well. Falcons' offense is not terrible, but de- the Steeler defense is pretty good. They proved that uh, last week against the Colts. And the offense is, I guess, somewhat getting better,
1: maybe. Big rivalry game. Packers and Bears. Probably not as big as a rivalry it's been in recent years due to both teams being absolute atrocious you know an, an atrocity this season, I guess, to watch. Um Packers four and eight, Bears are three and nine. I'm gonna go with the Bears here. This is the year Aaron Rodgers does not own them. He <laughs> loses in soldier field and loses to the Bears for probably the first time in in quite a while here.
0: I wouldn't discount that, but I am going to take the Packers. I do think it's something about Green Bay and Chicago. When they're playing Soldier Field, Aaron Rodgers seems to play like the league MVP in this game for some reason. So I will take the Packers in this game to continue the reign of dominance.
1: Next up, we have the Jaguars and Lions. The battle to keep your playoff hopes alive for both teams, honestly, and the battle to get to 5-7 and is both teams sit at 4-7. and seven. This is a home game for the Lions. I'm going to go with Detroit. They came off a really good game against Buffalo. They've won uh, three out of their last four games. I think they're picking up a lot of momentum here. I'm not quite sure if they get into the playoffs, but um, I think they are very aware that their um, their postseason hopes are very much still alive, and they have a, a, a very good chance if they can continue to, to win football games.
0: I'm with you. Give me mean, Detroit. I like Detroit. They play really hard. Even coming off of that loss to the Bills on Thanksgiving, I thought they played really hard in that
1: game. I'm going to take Detroit. I think they get it done this week. The next one, the time slot, let alone, makes me just want to – I really don't even need to say who the Vikings are playing because it's a 10 a.m. game. So this means Kirk Cousins is going to have the game of his life. No one's watching. No one will be there. 10 a.m. game. He's going to go for 600 yards, and the, and the Vikings are going to win. Now, if this was a 1 p.m. or a 4 p.m. game, might be a little – might be cause for, for for panic. But the Vikings are playing the Jets – at home, 10 a.m. We'll go with the Vikings. Kirk Cousins at 10 a.m. is is the best player in NFL in NFL history. He might be the goat. Vikings are at home. You said, yeah, yeah. Give me the Vikings. Like it doesn't matter, Matt. It's a 10 a.m. game. Kirk yeah. Cousins loves these. He wants these games every. He goes to Roger Goodell. He goes to the NFL headquarters in New York, and he's begging for quite frankly the London time games. He's begging for 6 a.m. games. Yeah, he doesn't not. He does not want anyone watching. He does not want it on Sunday Ticket. He wants it on Telemundo. He wants it streaming on the Mountain West Network, something to where no one can be watching. Yeah. And he wants limited tickets sold. Absolutely. Um, and, I mean,
0: look, the Jets are coming off of a very emotionally high win last week. You had Mike White as quarterback. Everybody's rallying around Mike White. Ultimate buy low, or buy low, sell high spot here for the Jets, in this case, uh, I think selling high, because I think a lot of people are, on the, are pretty high on the Jets. They are due
1: for a letdown, and I think that is this week. Got a big another rivalry game here, a um, divisional rival. Uh, we have the Packers and Giants. Didn't the Packers play the Bears, or excuse me, the Commanders and Giants? Sorry, I was thinking of the Packers game. The Commanders and Giants, uh, tough game. Yeah, down in New Jersey. I cannot think of the Giants Stadium right now. MetLife Stadium. <laughs> MetLife. MetLife. I'm gonna go. I really want to take. I really want to take Washington, but I can't see this Giants team starting six and one and then being at seven and five right now. They have a, a much. They have one of the best head coaches they've had in a while, um, and this team seems more um, stable and more disciplined than they've been in more recent years. So I'm going to go with the Giants, and I think it's a very close divisional game. But I think New York barely squeaks this one out.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I like the Giants. Um. Close game could very well see Washington win this game, but I do think the Giants are a little bit better, especially at home. I will take the Giants to get to was it seven
1: and four, eight and four, eight and four. Eight and four. Um, Next we have the Eagles and Titans, Tennessee on the road taking on the Eagles. I'm gonna go with the Titans. we've 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 been knowing that the Philadelphia Eagles are frauds, and I think they're they're fraudulent activity. Uh, continues this week, and I think Derrick Henry runs all over them. And this is a sneaky, this is a very sneaky game. And this is also another 10 a.m. game. This is a sneaky game. This is a letdown game, and I think that's what happens here uh, against the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee walks out, I think, with a 30-23 to 23 victory.
0: I'm going to go with the Eagles here. I'm going to go with the Eagles. If they want to prove to a lot of people that they – you know kind of contrary to your point that they are quote-unquote not frauds they have to win this type of game they have to have this type of win on their resume to just show that we can beat somebody outside of our own division that's not crap and we can beat somebody other than Houston um I think Philly needs this type of win so
1: I'll go with the Eagles Broncos country <laughs> not been a great ride Yeah, that's not been a great ride and in- the fact that uh, less than half of uh, the team showed up to Russell Wilson's birthday is also very worrisome. You see that whole incident on the sideline last game. This team's not looking good and it doesn't get much easier for them. They've got to play the Baltimore Ravens on the road. Ravens. Yeah, we're bad. not going to waste time here. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. I don't need to explain. If 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 the NFL, um, if the length of the game were just the first drive of the game, the Broncos would be undefeated. Because for that first drive, that offense looks... Ins- Defensively, they've been pretty solid all year. But that first drive of the game... They look in sync. They're, they're playing together. They look like a legit team. Every game, they get up to a 7-0 start, and then they, they lose 13-19. <laughs> so, if it, I mean, for the first drive, they got it down. I mean, they've got it all figured out in the first quarter, but past that, um, it's just a puzzle I guess they can't put together. But next coming up, Deshaun Watson is making his return uh, to NFL football for the first time in two years, I believe. And it's against his former team, and I don't think that's by coincidence that the NFL um, really brought the hammer down and moved his uh, suspension from six games to 11 games. And just so coincidentally, his return game is on the road against his former team, the Houston Texans. I hope Houston wins. I don't think they win, but I'm going to pick Houston because I really hope they win this game. So I'm going to go with the Texans here. Well, I'm going to go with the more realistic
0: option here, and I'm I'm going to take Cleveland. Um I will say I did see you may have saw it too earlier in the week what some of the um lawyers in the Deshaun Watson case did. They bought out the suites at um it may be this game, but for sure Cleveland Brown home games and they're having the um the victims and the women that um brought up allegations come to those games in the suite. Good. So Good Um I, I, I kinda chuckled when I saw that. That that was that was fun, yeah.
1: Well, we'll see how he does. Uh, how he does this week, and you know, he probably shouldn't be playing football for the rest of his life. But he's he's, he's back. Play, he's playing this week, so yep. we'll see. Uh, I hope Houston pulls it off. Uh, next, we got a, another divisional game: Seattle versus Los Angeles Rams Seahawks down in SoFi Stadium. Um, been, been a you know one team six and five, one team's three and eight. Beginning of the year, I probably would have guessed that the Seahawks were the 3-8 team, and L.A. was a 6-5 and five team. But that's the other way around, and Seattle is a whole touchdown favorite going into this game. Wow. Um, I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Uh, they 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 didn't even play a bad game last week. I think the Raiders, for some reason, are finally waking up, and it, it might be a little bit too late for them, honestly. Or, no. What they're doing is they're finally giving Josh Jacobs the ball, which it seems like every time he's getting 22-plus touches a game— they, they seem to win. It, that might be a coincidence. That might be a coincidence when you give Josh Jacobs the ball, your team ends up winning the game. I don't know, though. We'll see uh, what they do this week. I would imagine after Josh Jacobs just gave you 240 yards, they'll probably give him six touches this week. Um, but anyway, I will go with the Seahawks here. This is a very good team. Geno Smith is having a phenomenal season. I hope they bring him back next year, um, and I hope they put more pieces around him. Um, and even Pete Carroll is doing a fantastic job with his team. I don't think anyone anticipated them being 6-5 and five right now. This was a team that we thought would be right up there with Atlanta and Houston in terms of being one of the worst teams and, and competing for a, a high draft pick, so give me Seattle. Yep, I'm with it. I
0: like Seattle. The Rams are terrible. I don't think Matthew Stafford's even playing in this game. Cooper Cup's out for the year. The Rams are just an absolute disaster. Uh, give me the Seahawks.
1: Next up, we got Mike McDaniel going against his former team where he was a offensive coordinator for a few seasons. Uh, the Dolphins are going on the road to play the San Francisco 49ers. Give me the 49ers. Yeah. Um, they're going to put a lot of pressure on, two. I think. Um, defensively, this is just a tough team to go against, and I, I think they're going to make life a little hard. And even Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing um, a lot better than he has, I think, in recent years. He's playing some of his best football. Yeah. You throw Christian McCaffrey into that mix. Um, they have two very talented receivers, and, and Debo Samuel and, and, and Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Brandon Ayuk had a little bit of a down year uh, last year, and he's kind of getting back into the, the swing of things. So uh, give me San Francisco.
0: Yeah, I'm with it. I like uh, San Francisco in this game as well. A lot of the same reasons. San Francisco is very hard to go against defensively. And, I mean, Miami's just kind of – I mean, I get the stat line of, like, they're undefeated with two on the field. I think that ends this week. Like I think San Francisco is going to win. They're just going to run the ball consistently at Miami. They're going to, you know, make the game ugly kind of like they did last week against the the Saints winning 13 to nothing. Uh I do think San Francisco takes care of business again at home.
1: Next we got a AFC Championship rematch in the Chiefs and Bengals. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a home game for them. Um hey they they beat this team last year. Uh, On the road, this is a home game for them down in Cincinnati. Tough place to play. I like the Bengals here to give uh, Kansas City their third loss of the season, and Cincinnati would be improving to 8-4 and on the year.
0: I'm going to go with Kansas City. I think Kansas City wins this game. Um, I'm not very trusting of the Cincinnati offensive line right now. Um, I think if Kansas City gets home and brings a lot of pressure – Cincinnati's going to have their hands full. So I will take the Chiefs and Mahomes to make a few more plays than Burrow and the Bengals. Probably 31-27 type of final.
1: Matt's rolling with Kansas City. Hometown game here. Raiders and Chargers. I'm going to go with the Raiders. Um, they've looked a lot better in the past couple of weeks. The Chargers with, have, I mean, Matt's kind of really open minds with how Shitty of a coach, Brandon Staley, is um, this team should be a lot better than six and five. This is a team that the Raiders almost beat in week one. This is a home game for them here in uh, Las Vegas. I like the Raiders here um, to beat, almost at San Diego, to beat Los Angeles. I picked against the
0: Raiders back-to-back weeks. The Raiders won. Not going to stop anytime soon. I'm taking the Chargers here, hoping the Raiders win, but... The official pick will be the Chargers because I mean, if I'm picking against the Raiders and the Raiders are still
1: winning, so is it? It's a reverse picking game. against them and they're winning, or is it because I keep picking them and they're winning, Matt? Which one is it? It's got to be one or the other. <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, then <laughs> we have we'll have just all keep, we'll keep. Yeah, we'll keep doing what we're doing because it's clearly one of them, right? And just we'll, we'll we'll just keep watching them stack up wins. Yeah. So the official pick, like I said, will be the Chargers. I do hope the Raiders win. Sunday Night Football: Cowboys, Colts. Jeff Saturday is leading his Indianapolis Colts into Jerry's world. This is Sunday night football? Yeah. Okay. should be Chargers and Raiders, honestly. Or it should be Chiefs and Mangles. Yeah. Dolphins and 49ers oh, would be a good goodness. option, too. Yeah. I mean, the Cowboys are going to kill Jeff Saturday and the Colts. Come yeah. on. I'm going to go with Dallas. They're 10-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah. I don't need to waste too much time on this one. Matt's rolling with Dallas, too. Monday night football is also another head scratch you in terms of why is this is a primetime game. Saints traveling to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. So, another. It's another layup for Tom Brady. Another layup, another snooze fest. Yeah. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Yeah. Matt, I'm assuming he's doing the same thing. And there are our week 13 picks. So, only two episodes this week. A lot happening. Marcus Arroyo fired. USC misses out on the playoff. We have a whole nother. Um, Bunch of, I guess we still have quite frankly a, a few different playoff scenarios. Big day in college football today. A lot of conference championships, and a very busy uh, week thirteen. And there's some stuff still even going on in the NBA that we just don't have uh, a chance to to get around to. So hopefully next week uh, we'll be able to to get around a little bit more.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. That'll do it for us here on back and forth. Maybe by next week we're we'll talking about UNLV employing somebody new for their UNL or for their head uh, head coaching job. Or maybe we're talking
1: about Jeffrey Wadala finally getting a job. He could be getting – some employment could be coming his way. It's the
0: season of giving. Maybe somebody will give Jeffrey Wadala a chance in the job market, much like somebody will give a chance to the next UNLV football head coach. We'll break it all down for you guys, as we always do, next week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I've been your host, Matt, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. And we will talk to you guys next week.